The following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fezcast underscore SSA. You can search Facebook for the Fezcast or you can email fezcast.ssa at outlook.com. You're listening to the Fezcast. Well, welcome everyone to the next edition of the Fezcast. Matt in the hot seat again today. Jez is finally having a week off, so uh, less of his ranting and more of my aimless drivel. So, see how this goes. But I've got Sam Norris and uh, and Barry Payne with me today. How are you guys? You all right? All good, thanks, mate. All good. Yeah, all good here as well. Um, been a cracking weekend. Obviously, some some great results and some uh, very good rugby. Even if I did miss our game at the weekend, unfortunately, <laughs> no, that was that was not a game to miss. That was not a game to miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking off off air, and I said I probably didn't pick a a very good weekend. It's one of those things that you sign up for in February, March. You go, yeah, great, I'll I'll be along for that. And then when the fixes come out, you look at it, and go. Bugger. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, at least you managed to catch the highlights, though, of which there were many. So that's... Yeah. Um, so we'll get on to that in a bit. Um, but first, I mean, we... Um, last week, Jez and, and the guys on the show, obviously, everyone has been talking about the situation down at Worcester and the, and the situation totally fluid. Um, it all kicked off after we recorded, really. So this is the first time we're really getting together and... Uh, and talking about the situation there now that they have gone into administration and have been suspended from the league, but I, you know, I'm sure I speak for both of you. You know, real commiserations to everyone there. We really hope that the, the team can sort themselves out. Um, it's, it's really not a good situation down there, is it, Sam? No, and you know what? It's funny. So Worcester have almost kind of become my second team anyway, because where I've moved to in the country, and and they're sort of the local side to where my my wife grew up and stuff like that. So it would always be you talk about. You know, looking at the fixtures and picking out certain games, Worcester away was always a game that I picked out because it was a local game. Um, although theoretically Coventry is slightly closer to us, I think I prefer to go to Worcester than Coventry. And um, do you know what? You go to certain away grounds of which I've been to many, and you can you get a feel for for different fans. And the Worcester fans were all, all, always number one. Um, they weren't asses. Um, if we're allowed to say that word on 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 the podcast, they were, they were good people, very knowledgeable. And, you know, the beer was always good. The food's decent. It's a cracking ground, you know, good atmosphere. Um, so as much as it's, you know, obviously I feel, as everyone does, you know, for all the fans and everyone involved in the club, but from a personal perspective as well, it's a fixture that's now missing from the from the fixture list that I'm, I'm, I'm sad to see go because it's a great place to go and watch rugby. Um, and, and they always put out, a, a, you know, a, a good... A good fight against us and everyone else, even if they do fall on the wrong side of them more recently. Um, but yeah, a real loss to the to the league, and, and I really, really hope that they can they can find a way of, of making it work. Um, although, as we've already did, mentioned off air, we'll talk about it in a bit. Some people uh, clearly don't see that happening, but I really, really hope they do. Um, and even if they even if they have to come up come up the leagues again, we just have to get rugby being played at six ways again, and, and hopefully see them see them rise back up to the Premiership. Yeah, um, only only echo that. That's that's what we really want. We, we, we in an ideal world, we would want it sorted out very quickly. Then back in this season and and managing to complete this season and then go on from there. But um, yeah, you know, as 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 we said, it's it looks from the outside, it looks like a right mess. Yeah, it does. You know, we have to say it does look pretty bleak for them. I mean, you can see the vultures circling with some of their players as well. That. Are, Trying to be picked up from places left, right, and centre, which is which is fair because because they still want to be playing rugby. Um, there's a few bits coming out today that they're all of those players, their med- medical insurance has now been suspended, so they're, they're at risk if they do play. And we saw the the situation. I mean, it's just one one further nail in the coffin with the uh, with the owners of Worcester. I, I completely forgot really the situation with. Uh, Michael uh, Fatialofa, who playing against against us a couple of seasons ago, unfortunately right in front of me, picked up a, a horrific injury and was treated awfully by uh, by someone that we didn't know at the time um, at Worcester. Things were very strange, and Saracens ended up paying some of his bills by the sound of it. But turns out it was the Worcester owners, I think, that um, didn't do particularly well out of that situation. But you know. <sighs> 
as, as you kind of alluded to there, it's hard to see what's going to happen over the next few weeks and the next few months. However, I think from our side, we kind of think that it's not really our place to be talking about it in that way. Uh, whereas for some people, <laughs> they seem to have taken the opportunity to stick their oar in where it's not really relevant. And um, Rob Baxter's comments recently haven't earned him too many fans. Um, I've not made any secret that I don't particularly like him, other than his barnet during COVID. That was um, that was something special. But you know, the comments that he's made about Worcester recently, saying that he can't see them coming back into the league, saying that the league needs to get smaller, it's really poor timing, I think, in my eyes. And I think you know, for for someone that's come up, risen through the leagues with Exeter, he knows how the, he knows how the game's been played lower down. He should, he of all people should really be appreciating where teams are coming from when they're having to grow from small places like Worcester. You know they've punched above their weight in the league and things. You think of all people, he might actually have a bit of sympathy and a bit of decorum about the situation, but he's mouthed off a bit in my eyes. I'm I'm not particularly pleased with his comments, but. I know I'm probably a little bit extreme in that case. What what do you think, guys? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go into back to the other side here a little bit. Um, I'm sure he's not gone rushing off to the BBC and said, I desperately want to tell you what uh, what should happen with Worcester Warriors and what should happen with the Premier Premiership. Um, he's no doubt been asked the questions. And looking at what he's actually said, I don't think there's an awful lot in there that he's particularly wrong about. It does look a mess, as we've just said. I suspect it won't be sorted out very quickly. And the longer it goes on, the less likely they are to be able to physically fit the missing fixtures back into the into the calendar. And, and that's going to give everyone a, a an issue. Perhaps the, the only thing that you can really take issue with is and Baxter's comments is that the, the, the timing of the uh, the league needs to get smaller comment is, is unfortunate, to say the least. But other than that, I mean, he's, he's, he's hinting at... at insider knowledge if you like and I'm sure that there are plenty of stories going around within within the rugby family and, and obviously all the owners talk to each other and all the, the the various staffs at the various clubs it sounds ominous from from what he's saying and, and I think he's probably got a point that it's not going to be fixed very quickly and you know and that is going to give everyone a problem do you know I think I probably I guess maybe sit a little bit in between the two which is that I think Barry's right in what he says that some of the things that that Rob said, you know, you can't necessarily argue against. But the the thing that I I think we should we should be actually mentioning, and this I guess takes it back to giving it a bit of a Saracen slant, is tell me the last time you got uh, Mark McCall on BBC News or whatever talking about other rugby clubs. Never happens. Maritoji, Owen Farrell, they're being talked to by the press. They don't mention it. They don't bring it up. Then suddenly, you know, but then we we get the we get the salary cap scenario. We've got Danny Care piping up. We've got Rob Baxter piping up. We've got other members of the of, you know the team down at Exeter piping up. Um, you know, last season before we played Harlequins in the semi final, we had Marla piping up about our plastic pitch and how much they hated us. Just it's it, there's no place for it in rugby. Just as a club, and again, you know, this is why I think we support the greatest club in the world because. Not only are we bloody brilliant on the pitch as we proved on Saturday, but how good are we off it as well? We conduct ourselves in, in such a such a good manner. And, you know, you don't get Mark McCall talking to the BBC about Worcester because it's not his place to do so. And I guarantee if, if the BBC asks, which they probably don't because they know they're going to get this answer, he'll say, happy to talk to you about Saracens, but really it's not my place to talk to you about Worcester. And that's what would happen. I like to think Mark McCall in interviews is boring. <laughs> He's very, That's very good. boring. And That's yet, fine. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, and, and uh, to be honest, Barry, I, I, I do agree with you, to be honest. I, what Rob Baxter said probably isn't wrong. Um, and that's the really unfortunate thing of it. But there's a very cynical part of me that thinks he's, he's unsettling some of the players. Um, he's unsettling the situation and he can see some gain for himself and Exeter in that. But, you know, I know nothing of the situation as a whole and Rob Baxter probably does know more than me. But I think, yeah, most other people in rugby, as they have done, when they've been asked about it, they've played it with a very straight bat and not given the press anything. But I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to us. Let's talk about us. We're quite selfish. But first, you know, let's talk about the, the less good result of the week, um, which was our midweek cup fixture against Harlequins. Um, I always go into these thinking the result doesn't matter to be honest. Um, but it was 
a fairly poor result. Um, we did concede a lot of points very, very quickly, um, but with a very, very young team out. Um, obviously, we've not actually been able to see an awful lot of the game. There's only very, very brief highlights. But um, Sam, have you caught those and did anything in particular stand out for you? Yeah, and, and you know what? Like, I used to think when it comes to the cup, I kind of agree with you. You know, it's um, the result doesn't matter. But actually, do you know what? I've I've thought more and more, particularly maybe over the last couple of seasons, that actually they do because I think it starts to breed a winning mentality amongst the youngsters. Um, and actually, I think you know if it wasn't for the salary cap and if we if we could have larger squads, it would probably benefit them to not have to run out as as an academy side and actually. You know, get a few, a few, you know, of the older lads in there to, to to help. You know, back in the day when you know we had like Callum Clark sort of captain in the side and things like that, it's good to have those types of people involved. You know, Manu Vinopola, you know, I've I've never made any um secret of the fact that I don't think he's good enough um to 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 be in the position that he's in. And and I'd much rather have someone else in that sort of secondary 10 jersey. Um, but he was captain on Tuesday night and He's got very little first team experience, um, and so it, it doesn't surprise me that when when the results don't necessarily go our way. And I know Quinn's had a very you know young side out as well, but you know the the the, the competition's meant to be there to, for development. And how much are the how much are the youngsters developing when they're just playing with the guys that they would play in the academy with? Um, we need to be using these in it maybe in a in a slightly different way, I think. And 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 well, I, I know we can't because of the size of the squads now, but it would be so much better for the development of the kids if we could, you know, get them um, you know, a, a few of the of the sort of players that play. I know, I know we had a couple of you know in the in the front row, but you know, we, we go almost back to the previous conversation about the league and how that works. What about the cup? Maybe maybe we should be looking at the cup in a slightly different way and saying, well. Maybe the championship clubs should be part of this as well, and we should make it more of like the old um, Tetley's Bitter Cup back in the day, and, and you know clubs from all over the country could enter, uh, make it more like an FA Cup, and, and I think that would be great. The Premiership teams are still going to put weakened sides in, but you know the likes of Jersey and Ampthill get to play against Premiership teams um, on the reg, which can only be good for the for the game as well. Um, and I think playing against big lads, first team players uh, will be good for, for the for the youngsters as well because they get to play almost like first team rugby, basically. Um and I've sort of rambled on a, a little bit about that. I'm not really talking about the game at all. Uh but but that's my that's my sort of two P's worth on that anyway. But I mean you you're right in what you're saying and and it's kind of where I've been going with this is that yeah I'm I'm not too fast on the game itself. It it's it's um I was going to say off pitch, but that, that's a bit of a lie. But it is is that the bigger picture of what these Prem Cup games are about, and especially this season when they're being played midweek rather than at the weekend. So anyone that is going to be in and around the 23 at the weekend just isn't going to play that midweek match. So the, the teams are probably weaker now than they would be. I mean, we've got a we've got a cup game against Leicester that we are playing at the weekend, and I would imagine that the side is going to be a little bit stronger for that. Um, but yeah, when you're playing two games two or three days apart or in what would have been Northampton's case 24 hours apart <laughs> they're, they're going to be very weak and yeah so it's not it's not too beneficial I think I think you're right um, but I certainly think it's a it's a serious honour for some of uh, some things I mean I did manage to have a very very brief chat before the game with uh, Charlie Reynolds West who uh, who's just come out of the under 18s and played 15-20 minutes or so on the wing and I think he makes Harry Randall looks like a 6 foot 6 20 stone rugby player he's tiny he's <laughs> a little schoolboy bless it. but obviously made his day um, and he'll be he'll be better for that experience they are all training with the senior squad during the week normally as well so they're definitely getting something out of it but I, but I do agree with you that perhaps um, being mixed in some way is, is better than it like you say being an out and out academy game Barry do you have any thoughts or yeah, I just so the, the real difficulty here is that we've got rid of the A League now. So these guys do not get that many games. They don't get the chance to work together as a team and play as a team. Um and yeah, I mean if, if there was an A League or an expanded cup, you would probably be able to get some more of the experienced players in there and you would probably get more of a of a team feel and, and I think they and the clubs would benefit from it. Um but at, at the moment they, they these games almost feel like they're just sort of put in there just to <laughs> just just to fill the fixture list up a little bit and it's it's it does seem a bit like an afterthought and it probably deserves a little bit more care and attention if you like to 
to developing a proper pathway for these guys. There has to be something in between academy and first team. Um, and this, I don't think this is it at the moment. The thing is, well, we're talking about finances. I mean, how much did it cost Quinns to put on that game on that Wednesday night? Um, they probably would have lost money um, putting on that game because, you know, less people turn up because they know that it isn't going to be the level of rugby that they would get on a Saturday afternoon. So I think there's something to, to think about there that the, you know, the RFU, the, you know, the, the Premier Rugby, they they need to think about this competition a little bit more because, we you know, we're all concerned about the finances of various clubs. Well, why are we forcing clubs to, to be involved in a competition that may actually end up losing them quite a bit of cash? Um over the course of the year, when we're in a, we're in, at the moment, we're all concerned that clubs are losing too much cash already. So I think there's a there's a wider sort of conversation to be had there as well. And I, I really love to see this competition restructured. I remember my first trip to Twickenham was to see Saracens beat Wasps in the Tetley's Bitter Cup. It was an amazing occasion. It was an incredible achievement. Winning the Premiership Cup, it, it does not have that feel anymore. And I think that's a real shame. No, I think you're right. Um, it is quite fun that we're uh, we're sort of talking about this with a load of uh, one one year above under 18s turning up, whereas a few weeks ago it was about like the entire Saracens first team turning up at Northampton on a Thursday Friday night against all of their kids. So the, the cup is a bit of a bit of a strange situation. We've got another cup fixture coming up um, on the day that this this show goes out. I'd imagine it's probably going to be a very similar team. Um, it's worth saying actually that some of the um, <laughs> the older younger players if uh, if that's the right way of putting it some that have been in the academy for a little while or have just stepped up to the senior team they're all on on dual reg and things with teams like Amptill, Old Albanian so they are playing um, championship or league one level rugby outside of the cup fixtures for Saracens so you know they're getting a good standard but they're also getting that coaching from Saracens and experience of a Saracens match day and you, I, I would imagine that the Prem Cup match days are being treated in exactly the same way by the coaching staff as a as a league match. So hopefully they're getting something out of it anyway. But we did lose that game. We've got Saints in the week. We'll see how that one goes. But uh, enough on that bit for a minute. We've uh, we've delayed long enough talking about the good bit. So uh, we'll come back after a word from the SSA and we'll have a bit of a chat about the Leicester game. <laughs> Listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association, and I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that. Every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. Welcome back to part two of the Fezcast for this week and with three very happy people after the weekend, putting 50 points on the champions. You can't really say that very often. Um, I'm going to shut up for a minute because I keep talking too much. Sam, what were your thoughts on the game at the weekend? I woke up on the Saturday morning and I won't, I won't lie, I was very nervous. I thought the the Leicester team looked very good, particularly the bench. Um, and there was that moment in the second half when I think they brought on Ashton, Van Poorfleet and... Uh, and Dan Coles, and, and yeah, it just shows you the strength that, that they had on that bench. Um, so the the thought of winning the game was that was as positive as I think I was thinking. To win it with a bonus point would have been, you know, incredible. To stick 51 points on Leicester was almost unbelievable. Um, and you know, it wasn't just that, it was the manner in which we did it. We demolished them basically. They were they were, you know, they had a few a, a sort of a purple patch in the first 10 minutes of, of each half where they scored their their, their points. Um, but really, apart from that, we were showcasing some of the best rugby you're, you're going to see. Um, and you can see, you can start to see now that we're starting to win over some plaudits that previously would have, you know, they put us down as boring Saracens. We just kick it up and it's all about defence. 
and now we're throwing it around like we're playing sevens um and just from 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 one to 15 and beyond um you know i can't think of one player at the weekend that didn't play at least a, a you know a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten you know everyone played a played a role and everyone um you know was was part of that win full full squad effort um and you know fair play to the coaches for for giving us this this brand of rugby to watch because bloody hell it's great to watch isn't it <laughs> take it you enjoyed it as well barry yeah um i mean 51 points and we also had a try chalked off by the tmo let's let's not forget that so it could have been even bigger bigger margin but yeah it's, it's great we we've said this going back we saw signs of it last season when we are when we are hot we are very very hot and and there's very few sides certainly in england that will, that are going to live with us whether we can maintain that streak or not is an, is another matter but uh, hey after three games we're top of the table it's quite weird top top of the table with a game in hand over most teams as well which is yeah <laughs> doing pretty well but yeah i mean from from my vantage point in the south stand i mean sometimes watching watching us chucking the ball around inside our own 22 i i nearly hid inside my own shirt a couple of times and there will be times when we do look really silly as we did um against harlequins almost scoring an own goal at, at one point um and it you know sometimes it's not going to come off but it's going to look good while we're doing it isn't it so yeah, I, there's there's a lot to say about that that performance as a whole. Uh, let's, as you mentioned it, let's let's talk about that try that was disallowed. It was up the other end to me, but we did have um, the uh, have it on the screens. Um, for me, um, Tommy Raffle, I believe it was. I think that was another case of football creeping into rugby. I think um, there's a little little tiny nudge. I think from from Ben Earl, or at least he had his arm up with three players jostling for the ball that's in the air going over the try line, and the classic footballers dive. Arms went up, hit the deck, and Ben Earl caught the ball, dotted it down for, for a try. And we've seen them given nine times out of ten. Um, Sam, you saw it. You think the same as me, or? Would you know what I? My, my what my, what I was saying was actually that if you took Ben Earl away from that situation. I think Rafael was was falling already. I think him and him and Maidens had sort of clashed and he was falling already. To take Ben Earl out of that equation is a penalty try. Because Rafael stopped uh, Maidens from being able to get back and and get hold of that try. Because the whole point of a penalty try, as you say, if that player was removed that's done the infringement, what the would the other player score a try? And the answer is potentially yes. Um, or there's a very, very high chance of it. So it's actually potentially a penalty try if you take Ben Earl out of the equation, and I don't think there was enough in it for it for it to be seen as as a foul. The other end, you then look at the other end when uh, Leicester turn it around, and you've got a, a very very similar situation where Billy, um, yeah, Billy Vinopola's arm is being has been completely taken away off the ball to stop him from being able to catch that that uh, the ball that the kick that had gone through from Burns. I can't remember who it was that scored the try for, for Leicester. Runs through completely unopposed as a result. If you could, it basically it's about consistency. If you're going to disallow one, you disallow both, um, or you or you allow both to stand. And I think that's what it was. However, I have to say, we're, we're you know we're, we're moaning about a try when we've just put 51 points on Esther. I was I was I was just about to butt in there and say, yeah, we're whinging about a 14 point swing when we've won by 30. So it really doesn't matter too much, does it? Um, but yeah, the performance as a whole, um, absolutely fantastic. But there's there's probably probably four or five players that that stand out in that as well um and i i need to uh, i need to make a confession i've i've spoken on the fezcast a few times jez um because he's not here i can say he would love to lick the boots of theo mcfarland um and worships the ground that he walked on i have said a few times that he's, he is going to be a fantastic player but i am yet to see him turn up in a big game um was very absent in the final he's been very absent in other matches as well and he's normally doing well when we're already on top that said this weekend he was absolutely outstanding i mean barry you've watched every highlight there possibly is and i'm pretty sure he probably turns up in most of them he certainly did and uh even austin and uh lawrence were going on about him and bt sport today they were saying how good he is how strong he is in the air and um yeah, they, they they were they were explaining how it's it was actually it was Ben Kay, wasn't it? It wasn't um, Delalio. Uh, he was explaining how how physically strong he is in the air to actually do some of the stuff he does. And one of his catches, 
which they did show in the highlights. He actually caught it behind his head. The ball had gone over the top of him from the line out and he couldn't have actually leant back and done it because otherwise he'd have tipped himself over and landed on his on his back or his head or worse. Um, but he caught the ball one-handed that he couldn't see. <laughs> he just knew where it was going to be. Then looked to see where he was passing it to and then offloaded it. I mean, it's that that's that's something you can't teach that's just pure skill um that, that is what it comes down to when he really does another two seasons he's going to be an absolutely world-class player that i don't you, i'm glad you brought up that lineup barry because that's what i was going to talk about i don't think i've ever seen a better capture lineup ever there's just that, that was that was like freaking nature stuff he, you, you're right he just he just plucked it out the air like like it was just sort of just sitting there on a shelf, mm. but it wasn't even in flight. It was absolutely phenomenal. And actually, do you know what? We um we did any any team in the world would miss a Toji. Um, but I think there's a few things that are quite a Toji-esque about him in terms of the positions that he gets himself into. And I think he almost filled that void in terms of the um, you know, trying to track the nines when they're doing the box kicks. You know, there was a couple on Saturday that he was must have been millimeters away from. Um, you know, with uh, with Youngs and his incredibly slow box kicking. Um, so so yeah, he, he's you're right, Barry. He's not he's not quite there, which is actually scary because at the moment you'd put him in most Premiership sides right now um, within within the squad at the very least. So the fact that he's potentially fifty percent of the player that he could be once he you know learns more and 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 just gets more experiences, yeah, is very very scary for opposition teams not us it's very exciting for us <laughs> yeah and he uh he picked up man of the match at the weekend i think he's, he's probably for saracens themselves probably uh their player of the match but there's, there's a couple of people actually I, I thought someone else was deserving of man of, man of the match and a couple of other players that uh that really stood out as well but i'm going to stay quiet on those just yet and I'm, I'm going to ask you guys whoever wants to go first if there's anyone that did did stand out as well for you, or whether I'm being a bit one-eyed about someone. Sam's got his hand. Here we go. I'm, I'm hopeful that we have the same opinion because I was sitting there with five minutes to go and I said, McFarlane's been amazing, but for me, Elliot Daly was head and shoulders. Absolutely head and shoulders. That that man this season, I don't know what he, he ate over the summer, but he's having the so far, I know three three games in, but he's having he's having the, the season of his life, um, playing in a position that I don't think is his best position. His lines of running, his reading of the game, his kicking's got even better. Um, he's stronger, he's faster. He's just he's just phenomenal. And at the moment, probably in the top three or four form players in the Premiership. Um, and, um, you know, it looks as though we're going to have him all year because for whatever reason, Eddie Jones isn't isn't looking at him anymore. Um, but, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. But Farnham was great. Um, really great, and I think there was a you know there was a couple of others. I think Van Zyl had a very very good game as well. But um, yeah, for me, Daly was just head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, not McFarlane in height wise, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean Elliot's Elliot's try. He had no right to score that try. Um, he got around two players and managed to get it down the corner with it was literally no room to do that. Um, it's been several tries across the Premiership this this weekend that uh, you could say they've got no right to score, but that that was certainly one of them. Um, I'm pleased to see Van Zyl doing well. I've always liked him because I I like a nine who gets there quickly, and he he does. He looks like he gets there quickly. He looks like he wants to put pace on the ball every time he picked it up. He looks like he wants to get us going all the time from the from from the back of the ruck, and um, I'm really pleased to see him. Uh, I, I hope, hope he kicks on this season, but uh, it certainly he's, he's had a decent start to the season and long may it continue. And of course, Owen Farrell is just Owen Farrell. I mean, everyone talks about Marcus Smith, but Owen Farrell is, is the best 10 in the league at the moment. I completely agree with that. And uh, I think number one for Van Zyl, not only does he get there quickly, which is great to see, because as you say, he's 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 intending to speed the game up and keep the keep the high tempo. But when he is there, he whips that ball away so quickly. Is there is there a is there a, a nine in the te- in the Premiership that can pass the ball as quickly as hi- as him? I'm not sure. Um, he, he gets that ball away with intent very 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 quickly. Um, and I think yeah, he, he's coming on leaps and bounds. And yeah, as you say, Faz, what what can you say? Another couple of kicks from the touchline, um, which you know you just you just you just shake your head sometimes. He gets hold of the ball. It pretty much goes to whoever it needs to go to every single time, whether it's out of his hands or off his feet. Um, he reads the game better than anyone in the world. 
Um, and he should be nailed on to play 10 for England. And the fact that he isn't is, and the fact that there are still people out there that think Marcus Smith should be, is is just silly, really, isn't it? I mean, he's head and shoulders get above, I know I keep using that phrase. He's so much better than Smith at the moment, so much better. You see, um, earlier on, Marcus Smith tried his goose step and just ran straight into a player. That's, <laughs> that's a guy that's been found out. Um, and Farrell got found out, and then he changed his game. Got found out again, changed his name, uh, changed his, his game. And he's just, again, this season, he's throwing the ball around even more. He's, he's going to the line. He's attacking um, better than he ever has done. He's reinvented himself again at 30, 31 years old. Cracking player, should be nailed on to play for England and should be captain again. Yeah, I can't can't really argue with with, with too much of that. I mean, I, I do I do like Marcus Smith, and I think he will be a, a. I think he's probably the future in a couple of years' time. He'll he'll, he'll be nailed on for the England ten shirt. But at the moment, if you pick it on form, it has to be foul. Well, somebody said to me um, at the game on Saturday. Actually, you're in the final of the World Cup, and you know you, you're picking you're picking your team. Who who are you picking to play at ten? You're picking Farrell because you need somebody that has that. Ability to, to we we're talking about McFarlane not necessarily showing up in big games. Fowl's a big game player, um, and if you you know if you if you need someone to nail nail a kick um, in the last minute to secure your World Cup, there's there's very few names that would come higher up than Owen Farrell on a list of players that you'd want to do that. So for me, if you're looking at that and you and you're Eddie Jones and you're looking at the World Cup, surely you want a settled team. And and for me, you go well. Farrell's my man at ten. Let's just let's just get back to that. And, and work the team back around him um, because yeah again yesterday I, I, I'm thinking I'm trying to think if he made a mistake yesterday and I, I I can't remember him making any mistake in anything he did no I think you're probably right and uh yeah yeah I've picked up on pretty much every player that I uh that I was going to say that had a good game um I mean rewinding back to to Elliot Daly I mean I'm always the one to pick up on a little bit of a uh little bit of a worry um, he is having a fantastic season, um, and I know plenty of us will say this as well. You know, Daly had a fantastic game at the weekend, but again, everything was front football. He had all the space to play with. He wasn't under too much pressure. I think if he if we are in a, in a game where we are a little bit more backs against the wall, and he's under pressure, maybe from a high ball or a lot of a lot of ball being driving driven towards him, I'm not sure he's the best fullback, which is something that we've we've spoken about quite a lot. But given the way that we're playing. He is a perfect person to have at 15. Um, and very similar for Van Ziel as well. I, I thought actually that was his best game in a Saracen shirt, full stop. Um, and yeah, totally with you. He's um, absolutely rapid getting the ball out. Um, one thing, myself and my dad sitting in the stands, we've always had a massive problem with scrum halves who take two or three steps before they pass the ball. And Ben Youngs is the worst example of that. And actually, my dad said Van Ziel was doing it at the weekend. But then we realised, all that because we're sitting down the pitch, we didn't notice it. But Van Ziel is taking two or three steps, but he's actually taking them forwards. So he's already getting towards the game line before he's making that pass. And he's doing it in under a second, rather than Ben Young sort of having to take a run-up to throw a loopy pass to his fly half. It, it's, it's such a different different way of playing. But the problem with Van Ziel, again, is his box kicking is pretty crap. <laughs> so, again, in a defensive game, little bit worried but if we're going to play like we did at the weekend then that's not really a problem is it no it's 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 um to, to use the football analogy it's almost the kevin keegan um school of thought isn't it it doesn't matter if we can see points we'll just score more than you <laughs> I, I i tend to agree because actually i think that the previous thought process at saracens is actually the opposite mm. was we're going to make sure you we concede less than you um uh, so that's that's basically i think how saracens used to play and, and we have turned it around which is great to watch but it will invariably mean we, we ship a few more points than we normally would do but then i do agree with you matt about kind of how you, you think about when, when we are on, under the pump a little bit but if we were going to come under the pump it would have been yesterday and actually we we manufactured not being under the pump because we played so well and that was down to us and actually i was watching rugby tonight this evening and they had um Dylan Armitage as the guest talking about Toulon he should never be on TV again that guy just carries on talking when he should stop um but he was talking about the mentality at Toulon that they had where they wouldn't really worry too much about who they were playing at the weekend because they knew that they were good enough to play their own game and win and I think that seems to be a bit of a Saracens mentality at the moment we're playing Leicester at home the champions um you know they did us over last year 
um, twice. Um, and uh, yeah, we just we just went out and played our own game. We could have been playing, you know, Hadley second team yesterday, and I think we would have gone out with the same mentality. And and I think that's 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 what it is at the moment. As you say, though, um, it's all well and good on a, on a plastic pitch, as Marla would call it. Um, and there are plenty of teams that do have the plastic pitches now. So, so maybe we are thinking, actually, we can be a bit more expansive because there's more teams that are going to have those type of pitches. But, you know, what happens if we're, you know, playing in the pouring rain down at the wreck um, and, and various other places where we, we can't necessarily play barbarian-style rugby? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm certain that we have a plan B. I'm certain that we have other styles and we're just taking advantage of the good weather, the plastic pitches um, and, and having all of our players fit and healthy and, well, most of them anyway, and not playing for England at the moment. But... You know, yeah, we, we, we've got to, at some point, we will have to probably play in a slightly different way. And and I'm sure we'll put the right players in the right positions at that point to do so. Well, we have seen what happens when we, uh, when we play at the wreck and the weather's not great. We actually score 70. So... <laughs> <laughs> But no, definitely, uh, definitely point taken. We'll see what happens. And to be honest, I'm interested to see what happens when we come up against some big teams in Europe as well. Um, I think that is a different kettle of fish. Um, but I think we will just back ourselves to to play our game. If it doesn't work, we're wheeling out the jazz mantra again. Do we have a plan B? Generally, we do. Um, I don't think we did in the Premiership final, but I think we were just beaten by the better team on the day then. But yeah. Um, not really much else we can say about that, other than to say there are a few other players that I think had a good game, one of which is Ben Earl, um, who I think the fact that we've not mentioned him yet shows just how well he's been playing over the course of the last season or so, because that was just Ben Earl. Um, he didn't have a better game than he normally does, so we didn't mention it. He's just playing at a consistently high level. Um, Jamie George as well, I think. Playing very well. And he's someone that I'm. I'm going to turn around and say I think he's in the twilight of his career now. I don't think he's the uh, the world beating number two that he was, but played pretty well, pretty consistently, and ran a line that Elliot Daly would be proud of for Max Malin's try. Um, and the one minor negative from the match was that actually, certainly in the first half, the penalty count was far too high. I think we got two, they got nine or ten. Um, but we still managed to go in 10 points clear and then blew them away in the second half. But, you know, we, that's the frightening thing. We bring that penalty count down and we take our chances. We, we put in 80 or 90 past the team in the league this season. When do we play bars again? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think we've uh, we've done everything we can. We've, we've spoken with glee about our victory over the champions. We'll come back in a second and just uh, and wrap up what's happening over the next few weeks. Hi guys, I'm Alex Loonson and I'm a proud Loose Heads Ambassador. I'm Sydney Gregson and I'm a Loose Heads Ambassador. We're a rugby mental health charity working to tackle the stigma. You can find us at Loose Heads on all social media channels or at looseheads.co.uk The Looseheads mission is to place a mental health lead at every rugby club. Get in touch now to find out more. Take care and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Enjoy the rest of the pod. This is the Fezcast. Welcome back to the Fezcast. Um, it's a shame we only do this um, in audio because the three of us keep grinning at each other because this is quite fun. Um, like I said, not often you can uh, talk about a 50-point win against the champions and actually be disappointed with some of it, but there we go. Um, one thing we do need to address is some of the paper talk um, from last week or so and the pretty strong rumour that Max Malins may be going off to Bristol at the end of the season. Um he is one of several players that are out of contract currently at the end of the season, so I'm sure there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes with, with a lot of people. But it is a story that seems to have some legs. Um, various reasons why Max could stay, various reasons why he could go. Um, Barry, any any particular thoughts on either way on, on what you'd like to... I mean, as I say, what you'd like to see happen, of course you want Max to stay. But there's a big picture out there as well, isn't there? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've got a reduced salary cap. We've got to try and juggle all these world-class players. We keep talking about them. I mean, you know, if we talk too much about them, they'll want a pay rise, won't they? And we'll we'll, we'll be up to uh, cough up even more money for them. But uh, th- there's there's a lot of reasons Max might go, as you say. I, I find the the idea that he'll be allowed to play at fullback a, a slightly strange one. I mean, I'm not too sure I'd be off to Bristol just on the basis of uh, wearing a slightly different numbered shirt but there we go um, there's lots we don't know we we hope he stays but if he goes um, obviously he'll, he'll go with our best wishes we'll keep an eye on him and um, we, we will have a plan Nick Kennedy will be working in the background whether he stays or goes um, they'll be lining up someone else if he's if he has indicated to the club that he's not going to sign again I'm, I'm sure yeah, I mean, obviously, it'll be it'll be sad to see Max go. He's gone through the academy. He's a Saracens boy, um, and and we never like to see those kinds of types of players go. But um, I think you you're right, Barry, in terms of you know, is he really actually is he actually going to get that number fifteen shirt? Don't forget they've got Charles Piertel down there who pretty much has that shirt nailed onto him. Although on the flip side of that, it's come out recently he's the most highest paid player in the Premiership. So can they actually afford to keep him at a million quid? Um, you know, probably not. So maybe he's on his way and they see Max as the as the natural successor because he's already been down there. Um, what makes me laugh is the uh, is the fact that he it sounds as though the reason is positional, um, that he wants to play more games at fullback. Um, yeah, it was Bristol that first stuck him on the wing. Um so, so before that he was a 10. Um, and we occasionally played him at 15. So so actually, you know, he's going to the place which made him a winger in the first place. Obviously, Davies playing very, very well. Um, we have got Goo to, to still come on and, and play play 15, although, you know, how much is he, has he got left in him? Who knows? Um, but I've, I've actually, I have heard a, a little bit of a counter rumour that maybe we're not as bothered about him, him going. Um, obviously, we are bothered, but the fact that we might be looking at uh, lining up Radwan from uh, from Newcastle as a wing replacement, um, which I, I could see both of those things happening. Um, and then suddenly we've got, we've replaced you know, a very good winger, albeit probably a, a fullback converted to winger, with an out-and-out speedster on the wing, which is not something we've had for quite some time, although uh, Maitland was was desperately trying to show off that he was still quick on, on the end of the game on, on Saturday. But it, as a straight swap, there is an element that makes a bit of sense, although you lose that, you know, utility player-esque nature of having, having Maitlands. Um So I don't know. I could, see, I could see it happening. I could see it happening, but on the flip side, I could see it not. Yeah, it's. I mean, kind of go back to what we were talking about with Worcester. Really, there, there'll be so much more going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, you know, the simple fact of the matter: if Max has asked for one point five million over the next few years, then he's probably leaving with. Uh, he's probably being kicked out the door, really. So you just you don't know you don't know what's going on. Um, you know, we've got the likes of Elliot in the position at the moment. He might be. Happy. It could all come down to money, let's face it. Um, equally, there's lots of reasons why players do want to move on for another challenge. Um, people do leave successful teams and go to other ones and, and try something else. There's not many people that have left Saracens and gone on to gone on to much success, it has to be said, over the last last few years. But there, there's lots of reasons why you wouldn't begrudge Max Malins a move down to Bristol. That said... This comes from the same paper and the same journalist that told us that Mako and Billy Vunapola were both going down there at some point or going to Bath or wherever it was, and look what happened there. So mm. it's it's silly season. Like you say, Sam, we've heard rumours about Adam Radwan. I've also heard uh, Tom Parton from London Irish is a potential fullback as well, who I don't think we would, uh, we would shake our heads at particularly. So mm. players move on, things change. Salary cap's coming down. Lots of contracts are up for renewal. There's going to be some churn. Um, and I think we will have to lose at least one player that we don't want to this season, and that's just a fact of of how it works. If it's Max, disappointing, but there's probably worse players we could lose. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to see. It's silly season. He could he could sign a five year deal tomorrow. We never know. Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> It is odd, though. Uh, we're only three or four games into the season. We're already talking about who's re-signing and who's who's disappearing off next season across all the clubs. It's um, it's odd. Um, I mean, I know they can't announce anything officially until is it January the first? I think. I think so. Yeah. 
but uh, it does seem strange to be this this um, shallow into a new season and already talking about the next one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think to be honest, it probably comes from the fact that there, there's so many players that that signed those pre-COVID deals on that counted less towards a salary cap. There, there's there's probably a lot more negotiation that needs to go on across a wider squad than there than there normally is. I think 2023 is is a very big year for for a lot of clubs players so it probably does have to start a lot a lot earlier than normal and be in a bit more of a rush than than normal so yeah we could we could see all sorts going on and uh, not just not just for saracens but yeah we'll have to wait and see we don't we don't really bring you many rumors on the fez cast because that's not we're about, what we're about we'll talk about things when they happen but you know it is something that we uh, that we wanted to address because there's a lot of people talking about that as um, as being the end of the world but there's only so much you can do isn't there yeah but yeah um that is pretty much it. What we should do is just have a look ahead to the next few weeks because rugby is coming thick and fast now. Um, Barry, you mentioned about when we're playing Bath. We're actually playing them in two weeks' time, which, ah. uh, which, which <laughs> could be fun. Well, we've, got, um, we've got Newcastle away and then Bath at home um, in the league with, with cup fixtures around that. So having played Quinns, Gloucester and Leicester, you know, I don't want to disrespect other clubs. But we've we've had three big challenges from those those teams and and seen them off in close but exciting games and then blown the champions away. Bath and Newcastle are different entities. Um, would you like to see any kind of rotation in the teams over the next couple of weeks just to give a few people a rest, or is it while we've got the foot down, let's keep it down? I suspect there's got to be some payback for the um, international players that we've we've had on them there must be some agreement or plan put in place uh, that limits the the minutes or the, or the weeks or whatever games they can play so i suspect there will be some rotation um i've got to say newcastle looked very good in um dispatching uh bristol on friday night albeit bristol uh, developed um teflon hands by the looks of it because they kept dropping the ball an awful lot um, particularly Sinclair, who looked uh, <laughs> looked like he couldn't catch a cold. To be quite honest with you, um, <laughs> but uh, th- they will be a challenge up there. They're um, they've they've just got three uh, Argentinians back, I think, from the rugby championship, haven't they? And and they, I mean, one of them. You you think Radwan's quick? You want to see the fellow on the other side? He is rapid. <laughs> you you want a motorbike to be catching him up? Um, but uh, I, I'm sure there will be some rotation on that. Bath at home, well. Uh, uh, Bath at some point have got to catch a catch a break. I mean, he, he, I, I do actually for all my joking about them, I think they're a wonderful, a wonderful place to visit, a great rugby city, and a, and a great bunch of supporters. Um, but you've got to feel for them scoring six tries away from home and still not coming up with anything. It's just got to be quite a rarity in 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 rugby. And at some point, they're going to they, they're going to catch a result, and they they I'm sure they'll turn it around. They've got a good coach there, and and some good players so we will have to bring bring our, uh, our our best game against both those sides and i'm sure we will but there will be there will almost certainly be some rotation i mean you mentioned jamie george earlier i think he picked up an injury yesterday didn't he came off just after half time and uh, was apparently w- walking around in a i think they call it a moon boot those uh, inflatable things afterwards so we hope he's uh, not out for too long um and wolfie picked up a a knock in training i believe which is why he was missing yesterday so we hope both of those are back competing soon um because let's face it we've only really got three hookers <laughs> yeah i think i think um well you look at last season i know you know teams change and stuff but newcastle both both home and away which i, I managed to get to both of them that they they play they, they played very very well against us um and actually gave us a real scare at our place early on early on last season um and again i think you know they, they were ahead up at their place as well and, and we sort of came back late in the day to, to win that one so newcastle is not an easy place to go um as we saw on, on friday a- anyone could be anyone in this division right now um and uh newcastle proving that point so we are going to have to bring our own game for that a game for that de- that uh, game i hope we don't rest too many players um, I hope we do just kick on and, and keep the foot down. Um, Bath, you'd expect maybe we have to start rotating a few. Um, but yeah, again, I, I just think like you say, Barry, Bath Bath are gonna catch a break at some point. They're not they're not as bad as as the as the them being bottom of the league um suggests, in, in my opinion. Um I, I think they've been close to results um and I think they're they're almost there. 
So we're still going to have to play at the at the high level of intensity that we've become used to so far this season, and 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 keep plugging away. Two two games that could be potential banana skins, and it will be really you know frustrating to to go on this this winning streak that we've done against three of the top sides in the division, um, and then and then muck it up against Bath or or, or Newcastle. So. No, for me, we keep the foot down. We keep playing the way we're playing. We're playing on another plastic pitch on Sunday, um, <laughs> so we can zip the ball around again. Um, and I, I hope for more of the same. To be honest, just just keep the foot down, keep playing the level of intensity in the manner in which we're doing it, um, and and just keep keep plugging away because we're going to be losing players during the autumn internationals. So why not use them as often as we possibly can until that point? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, yeah, different different types of game coming up, but you know. Mark McCall has always been very good at just bringing in three or four players, just rotating teams around, giving people a break when uh, when they need one. Um, so yeah, we might see might see a few people drop out. We've also got the, got a few players coming back from injury as well. Good Maitland, Richie only not had any minutes yet this season. That might might find themselves getting a start in the next in the next week or two. But yeah, looking forward to uh, to seeing what happens on Sunday. Um, and everything else we've got coming up, we've got the uh, the Rugby World Cup as well, the uh, the Women's World Cup. Um, England starting off against Fiji on Saturday and I think it's about quarter to five in the morning the kickoff for that so um, alarms on or skybox on record for uh, for ITV I think I mean that's a, a serious vat of coffee I think I'd need for uh, for that one but <laughs> I'll definitely uh, definitely be catching up with it so you know there'll be plenty of uh, Saracens players involved in that and uh, and uh, Rachel Lakera Tabura who's got uh, who's been picked in the Fiji um, Fiji squad for the World Cup as well, so uh, so best of luck to her. But yeah, that over the next few weeks will uh, will bring you a bit of reaction from uh, from that as well. When one of us can drag ourselves out of bed to watch an early morning game in New Zealand, but uh, we should probably leave it there because I think I'm about to be drowned out by the sound of my own washing machine, and Sam has descended into pitch black darkness. So it's probably uh... <laughs> the sun's gone down. <laughs> Have you seen the price of electricity since the 1st of October? I can't turn the lights on now. You can have the computer on all the lights. You can't have both. That's fair enough. But, you know, we've uh, we've had a good time and a good laugh because we keep winning, which is good. But, uh, yeah, from, from me, Sam and Barry, thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back again next week. But, yeah, thanks, Barry. Thanks, Sam. Thanks. Cheers. See you soon. This is the Fezcast. <laughs>